This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast. We're the weekly pod that goes to the heart of all things Southampton FC. On this week's episode, we'll be reflecting back on the last week or so, which saw two wins and a defeat and a year in charge for Ralph Hasenhutl. We'll also preview next Saturday's fixture against the Irons, West Ham United. Glenn is here. Glenn, how's your week been? It's kind of revolved around the football, really. Yeah. Um, trying to make sure I was in the right place to uh, actually get to the games. Uh, that 7.30 kick-off on uh, Wednesday was a bit of a pain. Yeah. Uh, trying to get home from work and get out and get to the game in time. But uh, managed that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's all revolved around the football, so it's not been too bad. No, I've got, I've got to say, for those of us that are getting on in years and struggle to see uh, 10 o'clock these days, 7.30 kick-off was quite a blessing, actually. I felt refreshed to it for it all to be over by quarter past nine, so uh, yeah, it was good. There we go, and Steve's back as well. Um, Lucy's obviously been up at the uh, Newcastle game today, so she's not on the pod this week, understandably uh, travelling back. But uh, as I say, after a couple of weeks uh, travelling the furthest corner of the globe then, Steve, good to have you back with us. How was New Zealand? And then you were in Australia for a bit as well, weren't you? Yeah, uh, nice and hot. Um, not quite so good to get a sunstroke on the on the second day's play in uh, in New Zealand, but um, lesson learned and hat bought on the following morning. <laughs> yeah, and the cricket itself. I mean, obviously it was a disappointing uh, loss for England in the end, but uh, it looked like a, a nice scenery. I got to say, having watched it on telly, I know we were in in touch when we, but it looked like a nice part of the world to be sat watching cricket. Yeah, great little venue, and yeah, it was, it was just weird that the way kind of everything gets sort of set up on um, when they've got a big game on because ordinarily that place would basically just be a sort of cut out basin in the middle of a park yeah. and there'd be absolutely nobody there um, so yeah it's, it's quite extraordinary how they how New Zealand kind of keeps coming up with these um, little venues mm. um, but they're kind of perfectly sized really for the 
crowds they get for um, for test matches. Yeah. So that's that was great. Yeah, and that was the first test there, right? Just before we briefly yes, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. So first ever test match. So yes, good. So uh, excellent. All right. Well, it's good to have you uh, back with us. Um, as if we didn't have enough uh, crammed into TSP ninety four already, we're also going to be looking for your help in officially naming a brand new Southampton FC related ice cream sundae. Oh yeah, we cover all the bases on here. Um, before we get going, a big thank you and shout out to Dan Carosi, who this week joined our ever growing global clan of TSP patrons via patreon.com slash Total Saints pod. Dan, you're a star. Thank you very much from all of us. Okay, let's get on with your uh, Total Saints podcast sponsored by Happy Hot Tubs. This is episode 94. I'd really love a hot tub, but I don't know where to start. How easy is the process? It's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. Happyhottubs.co.uk the week started with a big three points against Watford, which we had covered off in TSP 93 if you haven't listened yet. Then saw us beat Norwich at St Mary's for back-to-back home wins and ended with a disappointing 2-1 loss up at Newcastle earlier today. All in all, Steve, how do you reflect on the last sort of seven days for Saints and those six points out of nine? And, uh, you know, I guess given the other sides all around us have picked up points as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I think vital results, um, kind of bits of performances. I think the Watford game was... The performance was largely disappointing, but we we kind of showed character at the end to um, sort of pull ourselves over the line somehow. Yeah. Uh, the Norwich game, we were I mean we were comfortably the better side for at least an hour or so, and that game should have been put to bed long before um, long before we gave them an opportunity to get back into it. Um, which I mean, let's face it, that's, that's not a new thing for us, is it? That's been that's been an issue for God knows how long. Um, and kind of largely the same at Newcastle, except we weren't able to hold on. We didn't take any chances to extend the lead, which which we should have done, mm. um, and allowed them to get back into it. I mean, if you just said that John Joe Shelby and Andy Carroll would have combined for a towering header at the far post. I don't think I don't think anybody would have been particularly surprised. But um, from Andy Carroll's presumably weaker left foot um, and Shelby um, climbing above everybody at the far post mm. was slightly irritating. Classic um, yeah. yeah, and once again, we've got a goalkeeper who can't hold on to anything or parry anything wide, he, mm. um, we, where we put it back into the danger area and defenders switch off and, and allow their guy to come in with a pretty much a tap in yeah um so yeah just frustration as as usual i think yeah and uh, look, i mean we're coming to talk maybe a, a little bit more in detail the newcastle game in a bit glenn but just on the the norwich game then obviously that was midweek and it was good to sort of back up the win against watford um it was a bit of a nervy ending in true saints style but overall a much better more confidence performance from saints at st mary's especially in the first half i think you're impressed by that the first half was was probably the best we've played all season for mm. for an entire half. Um, I think helped by the fact that Norwich were dreadful. Mm. They looked as lethargic as we did in the first half against Everton, mm. for example. There was no sort of movement. I thought we played the game quite well. We obviously identified Cantwell as someone who we needed to look after because everyone was kicking him. Yeah, it was great. It was nice watching us being a little bit streetwise for a change. You know, we, we were taking their best player and trying to get under his skin. Yeah. And it certainly worked. And he gave away the free kick, which led to the um, led to the first goal, which because he was he was annoyed at all the uh, little digs that were going in from various yeah, yeah, players. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So that that worked really well. Um, second goal went in and at half time it all looked very easy. But we knew 
that they were going to come out in the second half. They couldn't be as bad. And um, within 30 seconds of the restart, they, they'd already tested the keeper sort mm. of thing. But uh, um, I, I just thought it was a classic goals change games thing because we had a great chance at 3-0. We should have had a penalty mm. when Shane Long was basically assaulted in the box. <laughs> and uh, Kevin Friend did what Kevin Friend does and uh, missed it from five <laughs> yards. Um, we had Danny Ings with a near miss. Instead of being 3-0, Norwich have their one attack and score. And suddenly it's it's a little bit nervy, but in in truth they didn't make McCarthy make another save after the um, after the goal, so it was a, a relatively comfortable win, as as much as our wins can ever be relatively comfortable. Yeah, I still remember that game. I think it was Dejan Lovren's first game back at uh, St Mary's when Kevin Friend missed two blatant penalties. I think one was a hack from uh, Joe Allen, but uh, yeah, he's not changed his uh, stripes too much. And, and, and look, just briefly before I ask Steve about um, the home form, Glenn, um, nice to see Saints, you know, clearly working on stuff on the training ground. Uh, I think the first goal, obviously Norwich Zonal marking Danny Ings moving in between the lines, and then the second goal, even better, I think. Shane Long, if you watch him making a brilliant run, Bertrand peels off and one flicks it onto the other, he taps it in. Yeah, it's nice to, um, to have a bit of justification for what, <laughs> well, let's believe Dave Watson is the, um, is, <laughs> is, is the set-piece coach. Yeah, yeah. Um, and apart from Ward-Prowse sticking it in the top corner, which is basically all his own work, it was nice to see um, to see two goals that actually probably did owe something to what had gone on on the training mm. ground with some sort of clever movement and blocking of runners and all that sort of stuff. So, uh no, I mean, uh, I mean, for just fast forward to the Newcastle game, we nearly mm. had a very similar goal uh, today with Bertrand, but it didn't stick it in this time. But no. yeah, it was nice to see the uh, the training ground moves um, come off, especially as we are not great at creating things in open play. Let's face it. Steve, look, I mean, we mentioned before, haven't we, and it's pretty obvious that for Saints to make this season more comfortable than it currently looks, they will need to improve at home a lot. So these two wins, you know, do you think it'll increase confidence or do we, do we need to be realistic to a certain extent that, you know, arguably it's against the two worst teams in the league? Well, little from A, little from B, I think. I mean, wins will always give you give you that little bit more confidence, I think. Mm. Um, the fact that they've got over that line uh, twice in the space of five days will will certainly help. But I mean, tougher, tougher assignments will follow. Yeah. Um, let's let's be, let's be brutally honest about that. And I think we need certainly need to tighten up. My issue, as it has been for pretty much the whole season, is that we can play well for about an hour in a game, mm. um, and it's the other half an hour where we are losing games. Yeah. Um, and we need to extend the period of playing well because there aren't that many teams in the league who will allow us to get away with that half an hour of garbage and we need that consistency i think i think part of it is a bit of a sort of mental stamina issue um because it it seems as if it's it's a concentration thing as opposed to being fit enough um i don't yeah you know, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily that we that we look leggy it's more that mentally we don't react to situations quickly mm. after a certain period of time and i mean i'm not quite sure how you, how you improve that without um sort of a detailed sort of psychological um sort of breakdown of what what's wrong with every single individual in the in the side i mean that's and that's and that's a long-term project that's not a there's there's nothing you can you can bring in that's a quick fix for that no no, exactly. And it was interesting. I know, as I say, we'll talk about the Newcastle game minutely, but even after today's game, um, you know, Ralph saying after two good wins at home, we started well and it was maybe our best away performance of the season for 60 or 70 minutes. That kind of backs up what you say. 
Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at the other the away wins, uh, Brighton, we were absolutely terrible for at least the first half, if not mm. probably the first hour, mm. um, but made made the man advantage count. Um, Sheffield United was kind of an end to end game, and we we were okay for for large periods, but we weren't great at yeah. any stage, I don't think. So yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment. Um, but when you're playing well, you've got to take advantage, especially mm. against a side like Newcastle, whose attack has been pretty blunt this season they've yeah. I mean much like they they were under Benitez in previous years they've set themselves out as a very much a defensive counter-attacking team mm. um and yet somehow we've conceded two goals that aren't from the counter-attack um so quite how we've managed to to do that I'm not not entirely sure but you need to kill these teams off when you when you're on top and we were on top for a good 65 minutes in that game today yeah um so that's that's immensely frustrating yeah and of course that I must mention uh, just before we do talk about the Newcastle game that both of you plus Lucy plus Matt Markstone all got the 2-1 win spot on against Norwich with your predictions so a plethora of three points awarded there we'll come onto the prediction table in a little while um close but no cigar for uh, Tom and myself we both went for uh, two all. Um, look, moving on um, to talk maybe a, a couple more questions about the Newcastle game today then, Glenn. I have to be honest, uh, I think as many people know, I was at watching the Lion King at the theatre, which I have to say was absolutely brilliant. If you haven't been to see it yet, I totally recommend it. Certainly value for money, which maybe wasn't the case at St. James's Park, Glenn. But actually, performance-wise, from what I've heard, from what I've read, from what I've seen, Saints played OK before we come on to the typical mistakes, that actually it wasn't a bad performance from Saints. No, it wasn't at all. Um, we did what I hoped we would do, and we we kind of dominated the midfield. And if you if you look at it overall, yes, we we were the better side. But you don't win games if you've got major deficiencies in both penalty areas. Yeah. Um, it's all very well being the better side, but I, I I'm a bit I'm very disappointed in this game because having mm. won the two games, I I really did think that today was a really good chance. Mm. Um, certainly to get at least a point so to get nothing and just playing well and getting no points it isn't really enough um, yeah. as Steve said earlier we missed well I think it was three really good chances that I remember mm. and with our defence you know we're, we're always going to throw something in and if you're 2-0 up you've got a better chance yeah. um, we had you know it sounds obvious but you know we were 2-0 up against Norwich and, and we managed to hang on if we'd have gone two 0 up today, Newcastle wouldn't have come back. No. So it was a good performance, but at the end of the day, we've um, we've tossed it away again. Same old story. And uh, Steve, I heard you on Love Sport Radio with Charlie Hawkins Thursday night. You said that absolutely as ever, Saints would probably give away a soft goal. Of course they did. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, for, for me, you know, reflecting on it now, it kind of sums up the last two or three years, doesn't it? You you fail to take several presentable chances. You let in two soft goals, and in true Saints style, defeat from the jaws of a positive result. And that's about a million points that we've dropped now since uh, 2016 from winning positions, I think, isn't that? Yeah, pretty much. Like um, yeah, I mean, what was it, 26 or 29 points count. last season? Um, we've done it quite a lot in the last sort of few weeks or so now mm. because the one reason we didn't have a particularly high um, high number about a month or so ago was because there were so few games that we were actually winning yeah. at any stage. But um, I, mean, I suppose we should take the positive that we're actually getting ourselves into winning positions in games yeah. now. Yeah. And I mean, part of that is, as as we've discussed previously, the the way the fixture list has been put together, where we've got this run of games against sides in around the bottom three. Um, I mean, some, I mean, Newcastle are in the top half now after that result. They're Incredible. above Arsenal. It's like, how the hell has that happened? 
Um, it's just, just a shade, does it? I mean, it shades with yeah. us as well. I know we've got a couple of tough games to come that we'll come on to, but if you can pick up four or six points out of that, as you mentioned, uh, sorry, Glenn mentioned last week, you can pretty much rock it up to 11th or 10th in the league. Yeah, I mean, the in-play table when we were 1-0 up uh, midway through the through the um, second half, mm. we were 14th, one point off the top half. Yeah. And, I mean, that's bearing in mind that us and Watford were cut adrift, what, three, four weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it's just just ludicrous the way the table's looking at the moment mm. and if you look at the look at the form table at the moment i've literally just got the bbc league table up in front of me yeah and we're obviously on the right hand side it's got the last five games performances of all the teams mm. the amount of red in that bottom half is absolutely ridiculous <laughs> yeah. um, i mean you've only got i mean burnley won a couple of games um three games ago everton obviously um, annoyingly beat Chelsea yesterday. But other than that, there's not an awful lot. Us and Burnley are the only teams in the bottom half who have won um, two of our last five games. Yeah, it's incredible really, isn't it? And, yeah. uh, Bournemouth are going well. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a team plummeting, aren't they? But, uh, yep. um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the thing, Glenn, is it? It's that little bit of quality that we've, we've needed and that's the difference in the Premier League, isn't it? As you mentioned, I mean, Redmond obviously had a couple of good chances. Bertrand manages to head her over from three yards out. I, you know, I know that Chances come quite swift, you know, particularly that Bertrand one. But it's that little bit of quality, particularly in the attacking third. And we'll talk briefly again about Danny Ings in a minute. But it's it's just that's what Saints have lacked, really. And then, again, defensively, obviously, it's the same sort of story, that Premier League quality, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think there are many teams. I mean, someone will quote XG stats at me, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, I don't think there are as many teams who miss as many good chances as we do. I can't imagine there no, are. No, I can't imagine there are. Um, I know we probably don't create that many, to be fair, but it, it seems like, I mean, when Redmond went through today, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, I, I at no point thought he was going to score. Mm. He's playing with zero confidence. Yep. And th- there were four or five things he could have done, you know, gone around the keepers to the left, to the right, chipped it over him, all these things. And he just chose the the cheap option, really, yep. which was to try a shot as soon as he got the ball. And yep. yeah, it was never going to go in. In comparison, Danny Ings, you knew he was going to score. And that's five and five for him now. I mean, he's on an yeah. absolute flyer. Yeah. But the, um, the overall, what you're saying is correct. There's been a lack of quality, certainly with our finishing, mm. uh, which is which is ironic given all the training videos that we get to see <laughs> of uh, people yeah. smashing it in the top corner from 30 yards and all that stuff. Yeah. But there, there, there has been a lack, a lack of quality with our with our finishing. Um, Shane Long today, for example, um, I mean, he, he had a fairly decent game, but it was a typical Shane Long game mm. in that he did, the dirty stuff and did all the running and holding the ball up, flicking it on, all that sort of stuff. No goal threat whatsoever. Yeah. If one of your main strikers, I'm not calling out Shane Long, but that's kind of where we are. Mm. Um, we've got players who don't offer a goal threat. Um, you know, Gineppo's chipped in with a couple of goals. Bufal hasn't scored yet. No. Redmond has only, what, two this season so far. Mm. Um, if Warprouse or Rings doesn't do it, if they're not the ones on the end of the chances, then then we're struggling a little bit. We're struggling. But uh, look, um, just to, to sort of end this section then, um, Ralph said six points this week, I'll take. I know we can summarise each game indifferently, but in terms of six points out of nine, for me, whilst I do agree that we you know, should have held on for a draw at Newcastle, I think if you'd asked us ten days ago, would you take six points out of nine from those three games, I think we'd all have said yes, wouldn't we, Steve? Uh, yes, um, and particularly given, obviously, we, historically, we've got a bloody awful record at Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So I think we we kind of all expected to to be competitive, but probably not necessarily expecting anything uh, from the game. Um, and bearing in mind, obviously, beforehand, we had the completely unexpected point 
that should have been three at Arsenal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the last probably two weeks of a good couple of weeks in terms of points on the board, um, obviously necessary, particularly given the way that um, other results have gone. Some some expected, some not. Yeah. I think it's a, it's been a period that where we've gained a bit of confidence, but at the same time, you do kind of feel, and particularly today, maybe a slightly missed opportunity. Thursday marked one year in charge of Saints for Ralph Hasen, who to his Premier League record to date, played 38, won 12, drawn 9, lost 17, scored 49, against 69 and 45 points. That was uh, ahead of the Newcastle game. Let's not forget, of course, that he also smashed Pompey 4-0 as well. Glenn, general reflections on Ralph over the uh, last 12 months or so. What do you think? I think we were a flatlining corpse when mm. he came in, to be honest. And to get any sort of tune out of us last season, you know, with the players that we had and the way they were performing, you know, I thought was tremendous. And yeah. we got safe with five games to go. Um, and it was a bit like a marathon runner who, you know, finished his marathon and then collapsed in a heap. And then, <laughs> and then someone said, you've got to go and run another half marathon now. <laughs> and the last five games were just sort of right off. some we didn't try yeah. or didn't achieve anything. At the start of this season, I was a little bit disappointed that, I mean, on reflection, the transfer window wasn't great. No. And we, we started this season indifferently. I was a little bit disappointed from Ralph's point of view. We looked disorganised, mm. you know, and there, there was lots of sort of random experimentation going on, which which wasn't the best. Um, I, I, and I think what he's done now is that he's stopped trying to cater for the sort of weaknesses in our squad. You yeah. know, like I always got the sense that he was playing three at the back because he felt he had to, mm. not that he really wanted to. And I th- what I think he's doing now is just saying, you know, sod it. I might as well do it on my own terms and yeah. the players are going to gonna have to adapt. So he's he's picked what he thinks is his best back four, whether we agree with it or not, um, is irrelevant. He's going, he's got the courage of his convictions now. He's picking his, his, his favourite formation roughly. And, you know, as long as he keeps doing what he believes in, you know, I still think he's uh, he's the man for the job. He's a good manager. We wouldn't get anyone better. Mm. Uh, I still believe that though he's made mistakes, we're kind of fortunate to have him. And uh, I hope he stays a lot longer. But yeah. I mean, it's probably quite good from the point of view of keeping him that he had an indifferent start to the season <laughs> because um, there's been a few jobs that have come up where if we'd been sort of third or fourth in the league, uh, I think he might have been off anyway. Off, yeah, exactly. So, no, no, fair enough. And I, look, I, I mean, I'd have to agree with you. I think, um, yeah, just the passion that he's shown since uh, he came into the club. I know he's looked a little bit tired and, and maybe frustrated this season, but I think just, you, you know, the, the amount of effort that he's probably put trying in to reunite the club top to bottom with all the sort of um, strategic people that have left during that time, I, I think you can't argue that it's been challenging for him. And I totally agree. And I think every Saints fan would, you know, he is limited by the squad, the same as, to be fair, the last couple yeah. of managers where we didn't get that overhaul in the summer that we needed for him to really be able to attack this season but I think he's absolutely done his best and I would totally uh, despite some questionable decisions I think this season uh, you know I would totally agree with you Clem that I'm uh, proud to have him at our club and uh, I think he's done a really you know commendable job over the last 12 months um, Steve what about you success failure grey area in between or mostly success mm. um, with some obviously very obvious significant black marks I mean Leicester will <laughs> will be something that will 
that he will be forever associated with, yeah. unfortunately. And that's, I don't think there's ever, there's ever going to be any getting away from that. He is the guy that managed the team that got done nine nil at home. Mm. Um, so that's one obvious black mark. The slightly weird chopping and changing and just unfathomable uh, team selections earlier in the season. I mean, he seems yeah. to have, seems to have finally sort of settled on a system that he that he likes and has got. Uh, players who seem to be fairly comfortable playing that system as well and he's sticking with it and I think that more than anything else is is possibly what has brought this um, series of better results and slightly more sort of stable performances there's, there's been no complete catastrophe yeah. sort of uh, periods in games um, in the last month or so yeah. um, certainly since the last international break um, so I think that's that's a positive that he's kind of got over his that sort of weird period of um, of picking absolute nonsense. Mm. And um, <laughs> all managers go through it at times, I'm sure, where you just have this strange tunnel vision and yeah. you, you, you occasionally, like particularly with the results not going well, um, occasionally you can't see the wood for the trees. And it's it happens. But but as I say, he seems to have seems to have pulled himself through the other side now and hopefully with a bit of sort of clarity of thought that is in the past. And, and we're now sort of looking on upwards. I mean, if you look at his, look at his overall record in the year, yeah. I mean, what would you say? It was 45 points. From 45 38 points games? from 38. That was ahead of the Newcastle yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. So that will, that would get you, um, mid table. I would have thought probably, t- probably 10th or 11th yeah, yeah. over a full season. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's a good return given the absolute shambles that he walked into. Mm. Totally. So no, I agree. And uh, we ran a uh, poll on our uh, Twitter social media site just to get a feel for what you guys uh, felt as well. Two um, percent said that he'd done a poor, unsatisfactory job. Thirty-two percent said he'd done an okay job. Fifty-seven percent, which was the majority, said he'd done a good job, and nine percent said he'd done a great job. Um, there were a few comments as well. So Paul Scally said, "I think he's been good. Lost his way a bit this season, but seems to be back on track. Working with weakest and lowest confidence squads in a while." Jamie Pragnell said, "As long as the club look after him and the." right way then his enthusiasm can it be doubted i prefer that instead of the downness we've had to put up previously dan in uh, melbourne said voted good mostly for the incredible speed he turned around the feeling in the club and fan base a year ago plus surviving last year this season has certainly been more okay than good but given the squad and other issues with the club he is at least a positive amongst the it all uh, andy davis said good job with the tools he has been given inherited problems behind the scenes limited quality on the pitch and lack of support have no doubt not helped but hopefully he will now be given the time and money to make the changes he wants not the changes others want Mark Bradford in Orlando said, honestly believe Ralph with the right resources would be dynamic, but fear he's at Saints little late or prematurely. Matt Greer, the stats don't tell the tale of an incredible job, but when you look at the players he's had to work with, it very much says he's done incredibly well under the circumstances. And Terry Bennett said, a good slash great job with some of the players he's had to work with and not forgetting the rubbish he's had to offload first. So I think all in all, we're agreed that Ralph has done a very, very good job over the last 12 months and hopefully will continue to do so as well. Just sort of say one thing, actually. Please do, yeah. After we got beat 9-0 by Leicester, the board came out straight away and said, Ralph is staying. Yeah. I think that is quite significant. When you look at what happened with Everton, where they did nothing to sort of back Marco Silva up, eventually Mm. they sacked him. Miraculously, Everton put in a brilliant performance a couple of days ago. 
And I kind of think that... Well, if you were being I, shouted at by Duncan Ferguson, wouldn't you up, <laughs> up your game? Absolutely. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what I think the board actually did, and I don't often praise the board, but by making that statement, they said to any players who might have been thinking, oh, we'll just sack it off for a couple of weeks and get rid of this guy. Mm. They basically said to the players, we're not getting rid of him. We're going to wait till January and get rid of you, hopefully. Mm. So I think board need to take some credit for um, for backing him up. Though, to be honest, with the lack of people on the board at the moment, I don't think they have a lot of choice. <laughs> it was one person, yeah, exactly. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's, that st- <laughs> it's that stability thing, though, isn't it, Glenn? I mean, I've spoken about it a bit um, the last few weeks uh, to various people. It's, you know, what's the point of sacking another manager? As Adam kept on saying before, you know, it's the same group of players, and ultimately you're taking one step forward with a new manager and then two steps back, aren't you? So actually, from a club point of view, this is a guy that we're clearly, you know, we bought into, we're starting to bring in some people around him. So as you say, you know, a couple of results here and there, shouldn't change that philosophy if that's truly what you believe in. It didn't help that the Leicester game came in the middle of the period where, as Steve was saying, Paul Ralph seemed to lose, lose track of the fact that fullback is actually a specialist position mm. and you can't just put anyone there. Defending in general, yep. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's um, it was definitely the right thing to do to, to stick by him because whoever we got in, I struggle to think they would have been any improvement, to be honest. So yeah, stability in this case, I think was a good thing. Right, one of the things I like best about uh, producing Total Saints podcasts is that you never quite know what you'll be talking about, be it on the pitch or off the pitch. Earlier this week, I had a note through requesting some help from our TSP listeners. A few years ago, my wider family stumbled across Sundays on the Beach, an ice cream shop in Melbourne Beach in Florida. The proprietor, Mike Pakula, or Two Scoops as he's known by his friends and customers, quickly got talking about sport. And of course, it didn't take us long to get talking about Saints. Mike, originally from Philadelphia, is a massive fan of their various sports teams. So for those of you that listen in the States, the Phillies, the Eagles, the 76ers, etc. Anyway, as he didn't have an English soccer team, we encouraged him to start keeping an eye on Saints. So on a further visit, a year or so later, my dad presented him with a couple of Saints stickers, which we'd taken across, and he put them up in his shop window, which you can see on our social media channels, actually, because I posted it on there over the course of the weekend. So since then, he's had a number of other British tourists, Saints fans that have noticed it when visiting, and so the conversation is passion has grown. Earlier this week, Mike advised that he developed a brand new ice cream sundae dedicated to Saints, and he wants our help in coming up with a suitable name for it. So it's made up of vanilla ice cream with red cherries, red M&Ms, and black Oreo crumble on top. So as you can understand, red, white, and black, yum. Right, Mike has asked for a name that means something to Saints fans and is catchy. So what do you reckon? Do you think we can help him out? Hopefully we can. So what I suggest is if you can think of any good names for Mike's new Sunday, which is related to Saints, then tweet us at Total Saints Pod, comment on our Facebook page or email us Total Saints Podcast at yahoo.com. What we'll do is we'll try and pick either the best one or send them on to Mike so that he can choose and we'll also announce it next time out. Glenn, I know you're a bit like the Norwich stats last week. I'm sure you're enamoured by this. So I've been working hard on the think of some Sunday names. So I came up with Oreo Romeo. Yes. Uh, I came mm. up with Flake Vikings. I thought that was a good one. Yes. Uh, and the last mm. one, I, the last one I came up with, which I doubt Michael go with, but made me, uh, I thought was my favourite, was uh, Ice Cream when I watch Saints defend. Yes. God. What 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 job do you do again, Ben? 
not marketing, Glenn. No, not right. marketing. But okay. uh, there we go. Any ideas? I have, I have nothing whatsoever <laughs> to add to this segment. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, uh, no, excellent. What I'd say is, um, if you can think of anything, um, you know, please do send it through, and we'd uh, be very, very keen to try and help Mike. Um, what I'd also add as well, if you're visiting Florida and you're over on the uh, east coast of Florida, uh, on the Atlantic side, then please pop in and see him. He's at 300 Ocean Avenue, which is Melbourne Beach in Florida. He's a great guy, and I know that he would love to talk Saints with you. Okay, to wrap up this week's pod, we'll take a look at the next fixture for Saints, which is at home versus West Ham. Glenn, West Ham, a bit Jekyll and Hyde this season. Yeah, the funny side, they're, they're kind of similar to Everton in that they, the way they approached the summer, you kind of thought they were making a concerted effort to try and break the top six. Mm. And they've been as bad as ever, um, to be honest. But I remember, was it last year, West Ham rocked up and they, they absolutely schooled us yeah. at St Mary's. Was that Boxing they were, Day, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, or no, 27th maybe. it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those games that's disappeared into a bit of a blur. Um, but they are capable of being very, very good. Um, they won at Chelsea the other week, didn't they? And, yeah. Uh, but equally, it seems like it's another club that's not over-enamoured with the manager they've got at the moment. Mm. Um, they're also capable of being very, very poor. Um, mm. So I think we've got to hope we get them on a bad day. Yeah. Um, and the, the way to do that is, of course, you know, start the game fast and see how much they... Uh, they fancy it because it seems in some games they just don't really want to know. Nah. But if we allow them to get into the game, then we're in for a tough day. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And Steve, I think as Glenn says, you know, no doubt that they've got a lot of quality in their squad. Obviously, they have spent uh, a lot of money. And uh, I guess more importantly, they've generally had the better us the past few seasons as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a been a weird one that mm. um, historically we've, we've always had quite a good record against West Ham, I think. But mm. um, yeah, certainly the last couple of years basically since first time visiting to the london stadium we absolutely batted them three yeah, yeah. nil could have been six or seven even charlie Austin um, scored. well yeah and um yeah claude puel with his notoriously defensive uh defensive system that should have won <laughs> should have won a game seven or eight nil it's um but then i mean since then they've basically had our number haven't they mm. and um yeah as, as you rightly say i mean felipe anderson was extraordinary against yeah. us uh, in that game last season, but they're struggling a bit. That Chelsea Chelsea result is the kind of one that sticks out from from a sea of absolute garbage for the last what season yeah. or so. Basically, yeah. Fabianski got injured. Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that Pellegrini has realised that um, the guy um, Rodrigo who came in to replace Fabianski is barely a competition winner <laughs> um, in terms of good enough to be a Premier League goalkeeper. Um, and they've actually brought someone vaguely competent in by the looks of uh, David Martin, Martin performance yeah. um, at Stamford Bridge during the week. Yeah. Um, so, that's, so that's slightly frustrating from a timing perspective. But, I mean, it could all come crashing down. Obviously, they've got Arsenal um, tomorrow night, which yeah. Arsenal, I think, have got a ludicrous record at, at the Olympic Stadium so far. I think they've scored like four goals pretty much every time they've played there. So, mm. um, although, I mean, I bet they don't tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, the way they're playing at yeah. the moment. Is yeah. less certain, but yeah, West Ham have 
They've got their issues, but as we say, they're talented side when they can be bothered. Totally. And uh, look, I mean, as, as you say, Steve, I've uh, made sure I've done my research. So you're right. Pending the Arsenal game, they'll arrive at St Mary's having lost six of their previous nine Premier League games. The only win during that time, uh, the one at Chelsea. Um, from a Saints point of view then, Glenn, how do you think Ralph approaches it? Because he seems to have found something that's worked in the last two or three games. You know, despite the loss at Newcastle, they did play OK. So, you, you know, again, it was an unchanged team today at Newcastle. So do you think he might stick with that or do you think he'll be looking to change it around? I think he'll almost certainly stick with that. I, mm. I think he'll be frightened, to be honest, of tinkering too much because we've got seven points in the last four games. It, it's not inconceivable that we could have had 12. Yep. We could have won all four of these games. Um, I, I don't think he'll be wanting to experiment too much. There's a question mark. Well, there should be a question mark over Nathan Redmond and mm. um, whether he starts ahead of Buffal. Yep. Um, and Gineppo wasn't great today either. So maybe they'll mix up the wingers a little bit. I mean, personally, I'd like to see Jan Valerie back in the side at right back, mm-hmm. but I don't see him changing things massively. Um, I mean, Stuart Armstrong might be back, I guess, yep. but he's not going to make it past the bench first game back. So I can see it being more or less exactly the same as um, as it has been the last couple of games. Yeah, and and Steve, it's important that you know if Saints are going to win home games, with all due respect to West Ham, it's games like this that we probably got more chance of winning than the likes of uh, Spurs. Yeah, I mean West Ham. I mean, ignoring the game in midweek, with their their form is an opportunity, um, certainly. But you kind of never never really know what what you're going to get from them. Um, if we can turn up for more than 65 minutes, then I think we've I think we've got a good chance against against them. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, the likes of West Ham, we we need to be. I mean, we need to get a result. I mean, if mm. we if we only get a draw, then fine. It's a point on the board, and you kind of say okay we're another point um close to the safety but yep. it's from the start you got to be looking to win it and then you kind of evaluate as the game goes i think yeah i think the thing with west ham as well it's over the years it's it's the sort of the likes of kevin nolan martin noble people like that that referee the games and that's i think it's always been the frustration for me with saints is, as uh, i think glenn mentioned uh, earlier you know we're just too nice we need someone on the pitch that can kind of referee it back a little bit that's always been the thing with west ham i think hasn't it but uh look let's move on to um some predictions and the table is uh i'll be honest it's looking very exciting at the moment with the uh, results over the week and uh my prediction against watford last week so glenn is currently still out in front uh with 14 points then myself Lucy and Steve are all level now on 12 because Steve you've had two correct predictions and then uh, one point for uh, predicting that Saints would lose 1-0 up at Newcastle today so uh, it's all very very close Um, Lucy's still remaining optimistic she's been in touch to say she's seen enough today at Newcastle to go for a 2-1 Saints win against West Ham so that's good to hear Um, Steve what do you reckon? Um genuinely don't know I mean it could literally just, go anyway li- couldn't it yeah yeah literally plucking a score out of thin air I think um I think one all to be honest yeah, I, yeah gen- genuinely gonna hedge my bets on this one I think fair enough sit on the fence no worries Glenn what about you uh I'm gonna go for my uh default 2-1 Saints win 2-1 I, Saints. I feel exactly the same as Steve I was either mm. gonna go 1-1 or 2-1 um yep. it's it's a difficult game to predict mm. because West Ham is such an unpredictable side um, and we are, to be honest, aren't we? Let's face we are, it. We are. So, you just um, don't know yeah, Saints, do you? But, could uh, be anything. We we could just as easily get beat three 0 which <laughs> I'm sure is sure is probably what you're going to go for. <laughs> no, uh, I've, I'm feeling optimistic actually. I've, I've done a Steve Grant and sat on the fence. Yeah, I I, I I think if you ask me to push one way or other, I would say that they have more quality in their squad still uh, in attacking third to uh, to beat us. But you never quite know with Saints, do you? But I'm, I'm sitting on the fence and going for a one all as well. Um, I do think it will be a fairly nervy affair. But I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, Glenn. I 
I think it's got the ability that Saints just have a absolute shocker at the back, which we know they're capable of. It could be uh, nil three, nil four, or something, couldn't it? But uh, I'm going to be optimistic and go for a one-all draw. Thanks for listening to this episode of TSP. It's much appreciated. Don't forget to send in your best Saints Sunday names. Mike is depending on all of us, so hopefully there is some creativity out there. Big thanks, as always, to Glenn and Steve. Um, there won't be a podcast next week, I'm afraid, as I'm actually going to be away myself. So uh, unless uh, anyone wants to host it and edit it and all those sort of things, then we'll be back again after the Aston Villa game, just before the big man and his sacks of plentifulness, if I can call it that, arrive for Christmas. Anyway, have a good week and keep marching in. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.